much better. Well, Philadelphia, if you read in the news, is like any other city has its diversities, its problems, as well as uh, the positive sides of it. It's the home of right, five major universities. Isn't that what it's called, the, the five, the Philadelphia Five? No? The Big Five. Yeah, Big yeah. Five. Yeah, yeah. Big Five. Anybody know the name of the Big Five? Let's go, Dave. LaSalle. LaSalle? Yeah. Temple. University of Pennsylvania? Yep. UPenn. And anybody know the week, the, the fifth one? What's that? Oh, yeah, yes. Yes, Philadelphia College of the Bible. <laughs> oh, no. oh, now it's a university. That's part of the big five. Westminster. Yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful city. If you've ever traveled there and toured there, there's, it's a wonderful place. But it is also a city of great spiritual need. And uh, the particular location that we're going to be talking about today is just one expression of that city. So, Stephen, come on up. I'm all done with my introduction. <clears throat> if you've been with us over the last few days, uh, yesterday in particular, uh, you've met Stephen and his family. If you haven't been here, we should uh, go ahead and do some intro uh, introductions. Yeah. Stephen, not brown, but bound. Bound. No R. No R. We leave the R off. Yep, yep. All right. <laughs> Very good. So his wife, Abigail. Abby. His uh, children, let's see if I can remember, Sim, yeah. Wes, no, Clay, no, um, wait, don't you tell me, Josiah, <laughs> and then the others are somewhere yeah, else. Yes, there's right Clay, there. and then Josiah is, is in a Did class. I said Clay? Yeah, you, you were right. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. know what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, there you are. Yeah. And then there's uh, Serenity and Azir. Yes. Five and three. Very good. And all of you together are doing this ministry in a little neighborhood called Frank Ford. Right. In uh, Philadelphia. Yep. So we're like in the northeast section of Philadelphia. Um, it's kind of a, it's an interesting neighborhood. It's the kind of the transitional neighborhood between northeast Philadelphia, which is like predominantly white and working class, and north Philadelphia, which is predominantly black and low income. And Frankfurt is kind of the, the neighborhood in between those two neighborhoods. Um, so it has a lot of the elements of the, the, the less desirable sections of Philadelphia. Um, lots of crime and poverty and um, all that kind of stuff that is uh, typical of a kind of a low-income urban neighborhood. That's kind of where we're at. But it's, uh, it's interesting because it's very racially diverse, which is why it's... An, why I mentioned that it's in between those two uh, major sections. Um, so it's a very racially diverse um, neighborhood, um, but has a lot of the, the feel of, of being a, a low-income neighborhood. Now, I, I read a little bit, and it said that at one time it was a wealthy, uh, very wealthy section of Philadelphia. Yes. So Frankfurt used to be like the suburbs of Center City. And the doctors and lawyers and business people that worked in Center City and the big sky rises and stuff, they lived up in nice big houses in, um, in Frankfurt. And they would hop on the elevated train line called the L. If you've ever seen the Rocky movies, it's like what he walks underneath of that elevated train line. It's called the L. Like that's where we live. We're, that's where our church is, is right underneath that L. You'll see it in the video when we show it. Um, so back in the day, like in like the 1920s, 30s, 40s, you know, you'd live in, neighbor, in a nice neighborhood of Frankfurt, you'd hop on the L and go down and work in Center City. Um, what started happening um, kind of in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, the people started to, wanted to live not, they wanted to move further out of the city, so they moved more into the suburban areas. Those big houses that were built for those families of doctors and lawyers and business people, they got converted into boarding houses and rooming houses and recovery houses. And so what once was a block that had maybe three or four houses on it, like large-size houses uh, with families in them, they then become houses that are split up into 10 to 15 rooms that are then house uh, people in recovery or just like a boarding house with like people, somebody owns the house and then rents it out to 15 different people that live in 15 different rooms. And so you can imagine how that would change the dynamic of a block um, if that happened to a couple of the houses on the block and then just kind of multiply that, you know, on several blocks and then the kind of, and then it kind of has a cumulative effect 
as that happens, and that's kind of the, the story of our neighborhood. So a lot of our, if you drive through the neighborhood, you see kind of a lot of neat big houses, but all those houses are split up into small rooms that people rent, or they're like recovery houses. And some of the recovery houses are good and doing good work, and some of them are just scams um, that abuse people and take their money and don't help them at all. So that's kind of the dynamic of the neighborhood now. When Todd and I came down to visit, um, I was interested in your storefront church that uh, on, e on either side of you, just a block down maybe, are two big, you know, historically uh, situated Protestant churches. Yeah. If I remember, one's Episcopalian, one's Presbyterian. Right, yeah. And they have these beautiful facilities, mm -hmm. uh, probably sanctuaries that, you know, would seat two, 200 plus yeah, easily. Yeah. And roughly 10, 15 people attend them right. on a Sunday. Yeah, if they, if on a good one, on a good Sunday, probably. But, they, yeah. <laughs> but they, due to endowments, the properties still are maintained. Exactly. And look nice. Right. But right in the midst of all of that hardship, yeah. you have uh, what I would, you know, without being overly harsh, what I would say is the emptiness of religion. Mm -hmm. And where Christ is to be found is in this little storefront <laughs> where you and, and and the church gathers. Yeah, yeah. Tell us it's, what a typical Sunday looks like for you and your family. Get, you know, getting the kids. No, not getting the kids out of. They all <laughs> jump right out of bed. They right? do. Very, very early risers. Yeah. Got their Bibles open. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, yeah. Just like good missionary kids. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Running out the door. Let's they, go to church. Yeah. Dad. And they yeah. only read the Greek and the Hebrew. And they only yeah, read yeah, the yeah, Hebrew. yeah. That's good. That's good. Nice job. Uh, what does a typical day look like? When you get, you know when you get moving get there, what's it like? I'm gonna yeah. sit down. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I so it's interesting. So kind of fast forwarding through getting the family ready and everything like that. Um, well, I get to church around nine o'clock in the morning. Our service doesn't start until ten thirty, and there is almost always people waiting outside the church to get in when I get there, and um, and then. We open up, we get in, and um, people from the church just start to come early. And pretty much the entire church is there for at least a half hour before the ch service starts. And it's nothing that we've, like, tried to encourage at all. Um, or, like, it's just the fact that, like, it's people's home, it's people's family, it's people's uh, safety. Um, it's a place that people can go, and they know it's going to be warm when it's cold outside and cool when it's hot outside. They know they're going to get coffee, um, and they know they're going to be loved. And um, people come early for that, uh, just to be in a safe place and be in a, in a welcoming place. And so the service starts right away. Uh, people are at greeting me at the door when I get there to open up um, <laughs> uh, with issues and problems and, and prayer requests and things going on in their lives. Um, and then we have um, worship music practice like you do, except there's a bunch of people around as well. Um, and we're interacting with them. And, and then uh, church starts at um, 1030. And we're able to start right on time every week because pretty much everyone's there already. And um, we have, you know, typical service with singing and announcements and offering. And then we preach a sermon. We have a little break in the middle. Um, and we have the kids go to a, a little class that we have. We do just from babies to kindergarten, because we just have one room um, right now. Um, when, we, when we get into our new building, we're going to have more than that. But right now, we just have one room, and, and that's where the kids go. And then I, I preach, and then we have communion every Sunday, and then do a benediction, and people kind of hang around and talk afterwards as well. So it's a, that's, that's what we do. And um, it's, um, it's a beautiful group of people. Uh, our our music, we try to, um, right now we don't really have a worship team um, that play. we don't have musicians. Uh, we have singers, but not musicians. So right now we, we sing along to canned music. So we like play the music and sing along to it, um, which is difficult at times, but also it's been really cool because it allows us to have all kinds of music and all different styles of music, and which represents all different types of people that are in our congregation. So. We have about 30 people that come, including, uh, including children, on a Sunday morning. And it's people from all over. So white, black, Hispanic, 
um, young and old, more traditional, more just fresh off the streets. Um, and so we try to have music that will kind of um, at least be kind of in a, in a, in a, a genre that, be, that they would know. So it's all Bible-based and Christian music. We're not playing non-Christian music. But, uh, you know, like when you go into a typically African-American church, you're going to hear a different style of music than in a typical white church than in a Hispanic church. And so what we try to do is pick songs that kind of represent all those things. And we're able to do that. And we don't need to have musicians that can be excellent in all those different styles of music by playing music that people can sing along to. Yeah. The other thing is we always, I shouldn't say always, uh, often, almost every Sunday, we'll have people that just walk in um, to come to church. Um, and that's because just our location where we're at, we're right under the L. Uh, there's lots of foot traffic, lots of people just kind of hanging around. And um, they'll just come into the church um, to get coffee or to get warm or to get out of rain or whatever, but it's a lot of people will just come in and, and just to be in our church. And that creates, uh, it's, it creates all kinds of opportunities, creates all kinds of funny stories, uh, but it also creates all kinds of uh, opportunities to, to minister to people and to, to, to reach people to, that are just in our neighborhood looking for help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you uh, one question here, but uh, Todd, I sent you a link there. Did you get that by any chance? I just sent it. Yeah, the YouTube video that I was supposed to send to you already and we're going to show during Sunday school, that one? Perfect. We'll, we'll hold on to it for just a minute. I'm sorry? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that, uh, pastor failure. Um, I know for me on a Sunday, and, you know, this may be personality-driven and it may be uh, just, you know, oddities in my own life, but I, I find it very hard, harder the older I get at least, um, to limit you know, the distractions <laughs> and to kind of focus on my job of, yeah. you know, at that moment of preaching and, you know, yeah. leading a service. Ultimately, we know that the, the, the people are the job right. in one sense, right? So you, you arrive, like when I arrive here, if somebody's here, I'm like, oh no, what do they want? So <laughs> I say it a little nicer than that. Because I'm like, I'm focused on something I need to get done. Yeah. You show up, you got people at the door. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then you also have to lead a service. You have to be walking in the spirit, filled, prayerful, yeah. ready yeah. to preach. Those must be enormously challenging things. It would be for me, I yeah. should say. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's great for you. No, it's but hard. This, would, this be a, <laughs> would this be a point of prayer that, you know, we yes. should be thoughtful about uh, that we don't you know, normally consider. Yeah. How it, does that work? It's <laughs> God's grace. Um, it's hard. It's hard because, and, and currently, because of people that have, have uh, left and we've sent out, and um, I'm also the one that is leading the worship as well. So it's like I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the sermon, thinking about, and then people have, like, intense needs um, and things they need to talk about. And there's also people with... Um, uh, like a lot of mental illness and stuff as well, uh, mental illness and addiction issues. Um, so sometimes people are sharing things that are very intense or just honestly kooky um, and <laughs> navigating that and trying to figure out how to, you know, what to address, what not. I'm, I'm always, this would be a point of prayer as well. What needs to be addressed in this moment? <laughs> like what needs to be talked about in this moment? Like do I need to address the, maybe there's people in other worlds and other galaxies, and did Jesus die for them? Like, like, do I need to address that? Or, like, what's the most important thing? How do well, I? Well, yeah. what's your answer? <laughs> <laughs> I will talk about that later, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and do we need to go through all those things? And it's, it's, it's hard, because it's not just on Sunday mornings. Um, it's because we're, I, I work there as well through the week. And so people will know that I'm there, and they'll come and knock on the door to want to talk. And so there's, it's interesting, there's, there's a, we kind of have our congregation that comes on Sunday, but then we have, like, all these other people from the neighborhood that see me as their pastor, and even call me, like, their pastor, but have never been to a Sunday service. And it's just really weird to me, like, that seems very strange, like, that's not... I don't think that's right or normal, but that's just what they do. And, um, and, and so like they, they'll come for help, come for prayer, come for coffee, come for, for, uh, for just being around someone that's going to listen to them um, or to use the bathroom, honestly. Um, it's, and so they'll be knocking on the door. So you kind of have to always be in that mindset of like, 
and so what, I, what I've done is there's a, you know, you, have our, you walk right into our sanctuary area, and then you, there's a room behind it that is our kind of like everything room. So my desk is in there, and it's where we have our coffee, and it's where we have like the potluck set up, and where we have bookshelves and everything. It's a small little room. Um, and what I've done is we've, we've hung up a curtain <laughs> yeah. so that people can't see. They, they look into the building, and they can't see into that room where I am if I need to like really work on a sermon or really concentrate because you got to kind of like put boundaries yeah. up. But then, this is a funny story. We had a guy one time that knocked on the door, and he knocked louder and knocked louder. And he said, I knew you were in there because the curtain was closed. <laughs> Time for a new I was like, oh, no. What are we going to do now? <laughs> you know, I was uh, talking to Abby briefly yesterday uh, at Donna St. James about the idea of trauma. Yeah. And how, um, you know, like, like gravity pushes in on you. There's a trauma. Mm-hmm that surrounds you there. Yeah. I mean, people's lives are lived in the street. It's very yeah. uh, difficult. You mentioned mental illness, instabilities. All of these things are, you know, they're points of vulnerability, right, oh, yeah. in society. Oh, yeah. And I, I was asking her, like, how do you just deal with that constant sense of trauma yeah. all around you? Um, and, and I think, again, in, in prayer and the word, and something yeah. you, um, I listened to you in the podcast with Eric, and your commitment to um, biblical exposition, your commitment mm-hmm. to believing that the word of God ultimately is the answer. Right. And so to a group of people, many of whom have all kinds of societal needs, mm-hmm. you selected a course of action, at least in the worship setting, and I'm sure in others yeah. as well, to um, Biblical exposition in the Word of God. Yeah. How did you arrive at that conviction, and yeah, did yeah. anybody try to sway you away from it, given this, given the trauma around you? Yeah, that's that's a great. That is like the question, because like when you're in our neighborhood, you feel the needs. I mean, it's not like well, let's try to figure out what, what the needs are. Like you, it's all around. Like the people are on the streets. Like there's a guy that sleeps out front of our church. Like it's not like you have to like search for needs and. People are just, there's just so many, you can feel the needs, you can see the needs, you can hear the gunshots. Like, it's not like, it's like somewhere out there, let's try to figure out where, where people are hurting and we can try to meet those needs. And so there's this constant pull to want to be a social agency that helps to meet all those social needs and helps to serve in all those ways. And what we've had to do is say, we are a church and we are called to make disciples of Jesus and mature disciples of Jesus. And that gift, that, that's the part that we play in this neighborhood. And so we, we do do like mercy ministry type stuff and we do do service, pro- we do school bags and hand out Thanksgiving meals and we had a food pantry in our church for a while and like um, all, all that kind of like helping people, helping felt needs kind of stuff. Um, that, those things we do, but we always want to have like, okay, our main thing is to disciple people. Our main thing is to preach the gospel. Our main thing is to open up the Bible and explain it to people and um, to pray that God would, would, would meet them. And you, know, you think of like the apostles in the book of Acts when there's, there's people that need to be fed and there's all kinds of issues with it. And they're like, we need to devote ourselves to, what do they say? The word of God and prayer. That's what we need to do. We don't want to ignore these widows that need to eat, and so we're going to set up a system to help them get the food they need. But the main thing we need to do is have the word of the God and prayer that we're, we're doing. And one of the things that's neat in our neighborhood and in our city is there's all kind of organizations doing all kind of things. And so we see it as our job to help connect people to those things without necessarily having to do those things. You know what I mean? So I can, I can drive someone to a recovery place where they can go through detox and where they can go through their you know, 30-day program and then they can get connected to a rehab house. I can drive someone there and drop them off and stay in contact with them, but I don't need to do the detox and I don't need to do the, that stuff. I can help people get the resources they need to find a job. I can help people do that, but I don't need to be a human resources agency in Frankfurt. Like... Um, and I can kind of point people to things. The other thing that really has helped us with this is those old Protestant churches that you mentioned that are around. And beyond that, there's a Catholic church, Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, 
they are doing uh, food pantries. There's food ministry happening in all those churches. And the same group of people is lined up out front of those churches on whatever day of the week. So if it's Monday, they're at this church. If it's Tuesday, they're at this church. If it's Wednesday, it's this church. And they are just going and, and doing their thing. And that does not translate into any of those people going to those churches. And so the one church, the Episcopal Church, which is right up the block, um, and I think, you, I think you might see it in the video, um, they have all kinds of things that they're doing in, their neighbor, in the neighborhood as far as like those kinds of service type things. And it does not translate at all to people coming on Sunday mornings. Um, and so, and, and it doesn't translate into any kind of uh, like spiritual Christian discipleship at all. It's just, and one of the problems is they don't see that as their mission. Like they see it as their mission to just help people. Um, and, but so then it doesn't, it doesn't translate. So we've said, we've seen that because kind of coming into it, we thought, oh, we want to do all these things as a means of evangelism and as a means to get, get, get in the door and get people connected. Um, but then um, uh, what we've found is that, you know, other churches are doing that kind of stuff and it's not, it's not working. Um, and they're not spending time on preaching and teaching and discipleship. And what, that's what people really need, you know? And so it's kind of all those things combined have helped us to be like, this is really what we want to do. We want to focus on making and maturing disciples of Jesus in Frankfurt. That's what we want to do. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. No, praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Um, I want you to be forming some questions you might have um, uh, for them about their particular ministry. Uh, but first, we're going to uh, show a video, right? We good with that? Uh, that uh, showed yesterday morning, but this time I think the sound will be Oh, up. nice. Even you, better. Yeah, it'll yeah. even be better. Cool. The, they'll be able to hear it. We just, uh, oh, as a church, wanted to reach out into our neighborhood, um, be here with the people. Um, to love them, to, to be in close proximity with them, and to share the gospel. Um, our, our heart's desire is to share the gospel with the people in Frankfurt. Our mission is to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ in the neighborhood of Frankfurt. And um, our heart is not just to do good works here um, and to um, help try to meet some of the felt needs of people here, but to really um, be preachers of the gospel, to tell people about Jesus Christ and to let him know about his life and his death and his resurrection and how that through, through repentance and faith in him, that's the only chance that we have of, of having a new life now and eternal life when we die. And so that's really the heartbeat of our church to reach into our neighborhood and to tell people here on these streets um, and in these blocks about who Jesus Christ is and to declare the gospel to them and to show them the, the beauty and the glory of Christ and what he has done for us. One, one of the neatest things about being here in Frankfurt has been being in this storefront um, property that we're in now that we're renting and just being right on Frankfurt Avenue right underneath the L which is the elevated train line there's just so much foot traffic there's so many people just that kind of walk in and so almost every Sunday we have someone that just kind of wanders in from off the streets um, and sometimes it's just to get out of the weather um, sometimes it's just to get a cup of coffee um, but they come and they, they have an opportunity to, to meet the people in our church and to hear the gospel um, preached, to hear the gospel sung, to hear the gospel demonstrated through through the um, through the sacraments, and so um, we're just excited to be just here and present in the neighborhood. And one of the things that we're really excited about with this new building is that it is just right down the block um, from where we're currently meeting. So it's a bigger location, so it'll give us um, more space to be doing the things that we want to be doing, um, more more um, opportunities to be reaching out, more opportunities for ministry, more opportunities to, to spread out a little bit. Won't feel so cramped when we're together on Sundays and when we do other activities. Um, but it's still right under the L, right down the street. So all the people that currently walk to our church and all the people that we know in the neighborhood will still be able to, to walk to our church and, and to be um, to be a part of our church. And we'll still be a part of this immediate neighborhood, this immediate community that we're a part of now. So we're really excited about that, to continue that, and to, to continue to be here and to build on those relationships that we've made um, over the last um, three years and being in this location. One of the things that really encourages us and um, drives us to keep going forward here in Frankfurt is that we are not by ourselves in this mission, that we have partnered with many different churches um, 
through our denomination and outside of our denomination as well, of churches that have a heart to see the gospel proclaimed in a difficult neighborhood. And um, we are so grateful for the support, um, whether it be prayer support, financial support, people physically coming and helping, people just coming and visiting sometimes. Um, these kinds of things are so important. It just um, shows the, the body of Christ and how we're all doing different things, we're all in different areas, we're all ministering in different contexts, um, but we have significant needs here in this neighborhood. And to be able to um, partner with and link arms with so many of you has been such a privilege. And it's been so um, faith building and it's, it's brought praise and glory to God um, because as people come in and they hear the gospel and their lives are turned around and they are being converted and getting baptized, as these things are happening, it's, it's, it's out of your love and your support that you've given to our church through the years and are continuing to give um, as, we, um, as we look to move into a bigger spot. And so I, um, I cannot thank you enough um, for all that you have done for our church to make this happen, to make this really be, um, to be what it is. Um, without, without your support, without your prayers, without your financial giving, um, we, we couldn't be here, humanly speaking. But, but God is working through you to work through us in this neighborhood. And so um, I just want to thank you, first of all. And then I want to ask that you would um, continue to give. This, this new project that we're taking on is, um, is a big project. Um, it's going to open up lots of doors for ministry. Um, we, we purposely got a place that we didn't think was too big and going to be too overwhelming. Um, so we think it's a, a, the right spot and the right time. Um, but there is a lot of work that needs to be done. There are um, there's financial needs. Uh, the, the church probably needs about $100,000 worth of repairs to be done in it in order to make it um, so that we can, we can use it on a Sunday. Um, and then there's also just, we need a lot of workers. Um, so if you're able to, to come and help, um, please let us know. We, we'd love to have people come and help us um, to be able to do the things that need to be done to get this building in shape so that we can continue the work of the gospel here in our neighborhood in partnership with you. So we are so grateful for you and we just wanna thank you so much. Oh, that worked out pretty That well. was good, yeah. Good, yeah, so was good sound yeah. and everything. Yeah. Sounded familiar, but yeah. that was good. Now, um, <laughs> questions that you have specifically you know about the ministry there um and maybe for steven or his, his family Any? if not we can keep talking david yeah um we live we live within walking distance um so it's about less than a mile where we live um our where our block where we live, so it's, it's, a, it's a nicer block where we live. So it's like under the L, there's a, there's a felt sense of I got to watch my back as I'm walking down the street kind of like feeling. We don't have that in our block where we live. Um, maybe some other people might, but <laughs> we, we don't um, living, living where we're living. Um, so it, does, it doesn't feel as intense when, you know, our church location is a little more intense as far as crime and and just the fact that you're underneath the L feels a little bit. I mean, you have this big train that's like, like, and you can't talk to the person next. You got to wait uh, for the train to pass and then you continue the conversation. Um, so we that's not we don't live underneath the L, but we live you know less than a mile away from there. So we're we're in close proximity to there. The the upper floors of the building they're renovating. Uh, when we were there, you said this yesterday. You, you could reach your hand out the window and touch the train. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. recommend it, but you could. You know, that's how close that, yeah. how, that how dense. What's the, do you have any idea what the density is of people to, you know, uh, yeah. down there? Yeah. Uh, so Frankfurt's like, okay, so you'd have to do the math. It's like two and a half square miles, and there's about 60 to 70,000 people in that two, two and a half square miles. Is that right, Abby? She's good with these numbers. Okay. Two square miles, 60,000 people. So what is that? Asher's doing calculus back there, so he could probably tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Asher, <laughs> uh, let's just look at it this way. It's not the density we enjoy here. No, right? no, no. There's, there's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, uh, and I often think about this when I travel to a city. Like you, I'll see more people in two minutes than I'll see in a week you know, yeah, in, my, yeah, in yeah. my life. So. Yeah. Um, all right, other questions? 
Go ahead. Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Thank you. So yeah. call the ministry. Thanks for asking. How'd yeah. you get there? Yeah. Yeah. So we grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, a um, place called Pottstown. Abby and I both uh, grew up in that area. Nice neighborhood. Like where I lived, our like next door neighbors had horses. Um, so definitely not like in the city. My dad actually was from Staten Island, New York, and like got out of the city. <laughs> and so was just thrilled to find out that his son was going back into the city. <laughs> um, but... Uh, what happened was we, we went out to, we went to Geneva College, which is a Christian college out near Pittsburgh, and through taking some courses there and being introduced to some different uh, Christians, um, writers and stuff, we were kind of introduced to the, what was going on in, in urban areas and what was happening in cities and really started to feel a call to um, go into that kind of ministry. And uh, we, we felt a call to do pastoral ministry. I felt a call to pastoral ministry. And Abby, we were dating at that time, and so she kind of knew. So I say we because, like, we were kind of in this together the whole time. Um, she's not a pastor. Um, but we, we, um, she felt called to do that alongside of me um, from the time we were dating and going through college. And then the, the location just was kind of, oh, we, you know, maybe we'll just find a church somewhere, you know. Um, but then God really started to hone it in to be like, I want you to be in urban ministry. So what we did was, um, after we graduated college, we got married, and then what we tried to do is intentionally live in more difficult neighborhoods um, before we did any kind of church kind of stuff, um, just to kind of see, like, is this really what we're called to? Is this really what we want to do? So we kind of, you know, walked in slowly. Some people just dive in, and typically it doesn't end well. So we kind of walked in slowly. We lived in a couple different neighborhoods, and then we went up to, uh, for seminary, um, we lived up in... Uh, at, in Massachusetts, we went to Gordon-Conwell, and they have an urban ministry program. And so um, we did the same thing where we, like, purposely, you know, like, the place that people say don't live there, we tried to live there uh, to see, like, is this really what we want to do with our lives, you know? Like, wow, it's just the two of us, we don't have kids, like, let's, let's see. Um, and we just found that we loved it. Uh, we just found that, the, you know, interacting with people was so much fun, we enjoyed it. it. People were way more welcoming than we thought they would be, way more open than we thought they would be. Um, and we just, like, they're like, this is what we want to do. This, we love these people. And, um, and then through getting kind of formalized training through Gordon-Conwell, it was like, okay, now we have kind of formalized training, and here's the books to read, and here's the, the models to look at, and here's what other people are doing. And so it wasn't just like, hey, let's just move into the city. I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't, you know, like we kind of had all that training. Um, and then we were like, okay, we want to be in urban, um, but we're not sure what denomination we want to be a part of, what kind of group we want to be a part of. Um, and then we got connected with our denomination, which is called Sovereign Grace Churches. Uh, it's a smaller denomination, maybe has like 60 to 70 churches. Um, and we got connected with them. There was a, a pastor up in near Gordon-Conwell. We connected with him. He said, hey, there's this guy down in Philly that really has a heart to plant more churches in Philly. And his name was Ian. So the guy in Massachusetts gave us Ian's phone number. I called Ian and said, hey, here's who I am. Here's what we're thinking. And he said, well, why don't you come down and live, in the, live with us and, and live in our area and join our church and be a part of our church. And our heart is to plant more churches. And so uh, this, could be a, this could be a good fit. So we prayed about it for a while. It wasn't just like a, that's it. But we prayed about it, wrestled with it, met with him many more times, um, and then decided, yeah, this is what we want to do. The kind of uh, the, the hardest thing about that for, for me in particular was they, w they didn't have the finances or the resources to be like, all right, you have your MDiv, come on in, you're on staff right away, and then we're going to send you out. They're like, come and find a job. So, um, so I had to find jobs. So, I, so it was about seven years of, of me doing bivocational ministry uh, where I kind of was on staff there but not working there. Uh, as I was on the pastoral team, we called it. It wasn't staff. It was pastoral team. Uh, so I did that for, for about seven years. And we lived in the house that we live in now. So we've been in Frankfurt for, um, Clay there was, was six months old when we moved in. Um, so that's how long we've been in the neighborhood. And, um, and so we were able to kind of get roots built into the neighborhood before we did anything with having a church there. Um, and we actually weren't even 100% sure that's where we really wanted to plant the church and, and have, our, our, have the ministry. Um, but then God just started working in both of our hearts 
Abby's heart before mine uh, and said, yeah, Frankfurt's the place. We want to be here. And so we went to the pastoral team and said, yeah, we want to plant in Frankfurt. And they were like, yes, let's do it. And uh, what we did was, as that church up in the northeast, um, the northeast section of Philadelphia, uh, we, in 2015, kind of announced our intention to the church. And when I say we, I mean like the pastoral team. It wasn't like I was like doing some sort of side hustle thing. Like it was the, the pastoral team was like, we want to do this. And they said, if you live down near that area, we're starting a small group Bible study that will eventually become the core group of that church. And then there were some other people that said, like, we just love your family so much and we want to help you out. And we want to support you, even though we don't necessarily live in that area. We want to be a part of that as well. So they joined us as well. And then for three years, we were a small group Bible study that met on Friday nights. Um, and then on Sunday mornings, we'd all go to church up at the Northeast Church. Um, and that really built us and that really helped people to get to know me better and get to know our family better and um, helped us to get in the neighborhood more and thinking about church planting more. And then in 2018, they, we are, that small group then was officially sent out. And you saw the picture where we were all kind of stand up in a line and we were praying. That was like the send-off service um, when we were sent off to, to officially start. So in Easter of 2018, it was actually April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day, we, we were sent out and uh, we had our first service um, on, on, on a Sunday um, and sent out in 2018. And then, so we were in a... Um, we were in a, a Baptist church. We were meeting in the basement. And then in like the late fall, uh, this building that we're in now, this rental property we found was open and we moved into there. And that was a great thing that happened because we were just, yeah, the old building was, was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the building where the Baptists were. Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. yeah. No reflection on all Baptists. Oh, you know? of course yeah. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Some of my best friends are Baptist, you know, so, 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 um, so, so yeah, so we've been there and then God opened up the door for us to be able to get Wonderful. this building and move in there. So that's being, the story. Being from Chicago, I'm always interested that, you know, people say, oh, Chicago, everybody, you know, they're shooting each other, yeah. you know, and in reality, it's a very small section of yeah. the city, you know, right. it's essentially one neighborhood. Um, when I read Philadelphia, I'm, all, I'm reading uh, news, you know, about gun, you know, gun violence yeah. and murders on the street and all of the mayhem and crime. And, and again, I'm reading it as a small section of a larger city. Uh, you have a lot of social needs in your part of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, the violence attached to that, gang violence and mm -hmm. all of that. And so, again, uh, like how do you see the gospel then yeah. being powerful enough not to just help people come over addictions or right. poverty. Mm -hmm. No, they're actually killing each other right. yeah. uh, and whatever reasons that happens. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you work that out in your, in yeah. your life, in your theology? I yeah. Mean. Well, I, it's... It's a, it's a, okay, so Christians are actually the best people to do that um, because we have categories that the world doesn't have. So uh, the world can only be like, um, well, let's just give more education um, or, you know, or let's just get rid of them when they're in the womb and then they won't have that problem anymore. Like that's like the world's solutions. Um, or let's just, you know... Um, just let it happen, you know, and, and not lock people up and not have consequences, you know. But Christians have categories that say, like, you need to be responsible for what you do. You need to repent and you need to change. Like, these are, these are Christian words. You have sin. And we also have categories for the world being broken, too. We, we, we understand, like, uh, brokenness and curse and things not being right and things not being the way they should be in this world, right? And we have categories like redemption, and categories like transformation, and if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Like these are these are Christian words that the world doesn't have, and Christian ideas that the world doesn't have. And so, like Christians are precisely the people that need to be dealing with these kinds of issues because we actually have the language, we have the words, we have the truth that the world doesn't have, and the world's just trying to slap band aids on things um, or ignore it, um, and they and it's never getting to heart change, 
It's never getting to real transformation. It's never getting to conversion and repentance and sanctification. And you were once this way, but now you're this way. You're rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Like, this is, this is, this is our wheelhouse. <laughs> like, this is what we do as Christians. And so, like, we need to be there. Uh, we need to be the ones that have the loudest voice and are, and are speaking the most because we have the answers. And, um, and so that's why it's so important to be there. And it's yeah. like those needs, like, sometimes, oh, man, those needs are so big. We should just go away. And it's like, oh, no, those needs are so big. Like, you're the only one that knows how to deal with it like, yeah. and, and has categories for it, you know. Um, and so thinking about those things theologically is so helpful, mm. you know. And, and, and thinking about it like, um, you know, looking at Jesus' ministry and coming into the people's hurt and pain and brokenness and getting hurt himself in that and, and being like, that's our model. That's what we need to do. You know, it's in, incarnational ministry. Like, it's living there, being there, being with people and uh, kind of dealing with the pain and then speaking truth into it and, and praying that God would... would do miracles in people's lives to change people's lives. Yeah. And one, one of the things we, we also really want to do, um, which we haven't been able to do yet, and we hope to as we grow and get into the new building, is reaching young people, and especially young boys, um, because there's, it's just a, it's just, there's, fa- there's not fathers, you know? And so you, you learn what a man is on the streets. And the, the cool men and the men that you want to be with are the, the drug dealers and the, and the gangbangers, and, and those are the people that are cool because they have money and they get the girls and they're, they're living this adventurous, cool lifestyle and, they're, you know, and, and they're, everyone fears them and respects them and they're seeing, okay, so if you're an eight-year-old boy and that's the only version of manhood that you know, um, well, I guess that's what we do, right? Um, and if the school system is so like kind of given up and thrown in the towel and they're not helping and mom's overwhelmed with everything anyway, um, then that's where you go. So if we can, as a church, step in and say, like, give some models of here's what it means to be a man. Here's what it means to, to, to grow up. Here's, and let me mentor you and disciple you and be with you and, and show you a different way, you know, than that. Like, like, I, can, like I was reading in, in Hebrews where it talks about you. Know, consider your leaders and the outcome of their life. You know, like, it's like, hey, look, like, you can have a healthy marriage. <laughs> you can have life. You can live. You can work a job and be productive, and you can do this. But if you don't see any leaders that do that, like, it's not even in your mindset. So being there and, and, and being more intentional about reaching those young, especially those young men, those young boys, um, is, is got to be something that we, that, we, that we do more of. Yeah, and I would say that translates into every part of uh, our nation, not just the urban part. Um, yeah. You know, certainly in, even in the rural, semi-rural and small towns and villages, and yeah, I think yeah. that's a great admonition. And also the admonition of categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we may not face the same level of trauma uh, of societal needs, and, and, but, but it's there, but it's just hidden more. It, yeah. It's more respectable, yeah. but, but it's there. Yeah. And we... We need to remember our categories, and the first one, you know, of course, that the people who are, you know, own homes and have cars and have jobs mm-hmm. without Christ are in darkness right. and eternally uh, condemned uh, to to be without God and Christ forever. And yeah. it's easy for us to um, look at our neighborhoods and our places and not feel any um, concern for them. Yeah. Uh, good, hard-working people, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. versus you look at people, the needs right there. Oh, they need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we got to know, you know what, the people we run into need Jesus too. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard, um, but that's what discipleship is about. Mm-hmm. Yours down there, uh, ours here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling you yesterday about a missionary we supported one time who went to Russia. And I remember when he went, um, when I visited him, he, he, he showed me the maps that he had in his study area. And the first map, he said, when I came, the first map I put up was of, of the, uh, you know, of, this, well, it's Russia, it was Soviet Union, uh, but eight time zone, massive, mm. massive, you know, from, uh, and, and he said, I got so discouraged because I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to reach Russia, you know, eight time zones. <laughs> and he said, well, I'll put up Moscow, you know, plus 10 million mm-hmm, people and mm-hmm. spread out, you know, he goes, I got discouraged. And 
I put up adults, a quarter of a million people. How am I going to? And then he says, finally, I just, you know, and he did. He drew like pictures of his little mm. towered apartment complex, yeah, you know, where yeah. two or 3,000 people lived yeah, in those. Yeah. And he said, and that I got my sanity back. Yes. You know, there, I, so you, you have all of this need mm -hmm. all around you. Yeah. Uh, how are you working that out to not? feel like, oh, I'm not answering anybody's problems today, let alone everybody's problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I feel that. Um, but, but I love that, that model of like, okay, like, it's like, who's, brought, who's God brought to us, and who's in, our, who's in our church? Like, those are the people, let's concentrate on them. Who, like, okay, the, under Frankfurt Avenue goes for a long way, and the L goes for a long way. And there's all kinds of homeless people all the way down. Like, I mean, it's just miles and miles of tents and stuff like that. It's just like people. So, like, I'm not called. I, I, I can't meet all those needs. <laughs> and our church can't meet all those needs, right? But, like, I know, like, Rodney and Jerry and Kelly and Pete that are in my block and sleep there under that area. And those are the people that I'm called to minister to, right? And so, like, there's Rodney and Jerry's and Kelly's and Pete's further down, but these are my Rodney and Jerry and Kelly and Pete's, right? And they and they're the oh hey pastor, how's it going? You know, like it's like it, those are those are the people, right? And um, and so it, it's kind of focusing on where we're at, and um, and being with with those people in that neighborhood, um, and and kind of going from there. Yeah, you know, and, and I think churches like ours, again, we sometimes in missions have a mindset, oh, we're going we're gonna to give money and help those poor missionaries. And if you're listening to what he's saying, mm -hmm. you see that he's actually helping us. Who, who are the Rodneys and Pete's and, uh, you know, that we run into all the time, the people in proximity to us? Right. Um, like, oh, we can't reach all 70,000 people in Washington County. We did it. Well, who is God bringing into your life yeah. that you need to uh, be Christ to and and uh, help along, you know, to get to Jesus, and yeah. how can you serve in your church to help those people within the context of your local congregation, and right. I, I think, you know, we again sometimes fall into a trap, missions is out there, mm -hmm. it's in Philadelphia, it's in Montreal, it's in Europe, it's in, you know, Tajikistan or whatever, no, mission is next to you, it yeah. might be right in this room right now, it might mm -hmm. be with people coming in later, it might be, you know, in your family or where you go when you go home or to work. Yeah. So yeah. Get that. Other questions before? Um, I guess what time it is because I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying this a lot. That means that I'm probably really, okay, we got a little bit of time. All right. Dave, go ahead. Sandy, did you have a question? Oh, okay. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, so there's, there's two different categories. So, like, our family, um, we're able to think about that and um, kind of plan ahead and kind of work through those discussions and stuff. So we've done, we've done different things with our, with, with our kids. We have five kids. Um, and so, so currently, uh, Simeon's at a, a charter school, like a, high, a charter school high school, and then our next three are in a Christian school, and this is the first year that we've done Christian school. We haven't done it in the past. Um, and then um, we've done um, like different public school and different charter school options through the years with, with the different kids. And um, for us, it's, it's, we've been able to do that. Um, and part of that is just having uh, the mental wherewithal, the, the ability to plan for things in the future, the like just you know, things that like you would think are pretty typical of like being able to think through those things and plan for those things and because you got to apply like a year ahead of time and thinking through those things and and figuring out those things um many people in the neighborhood aren't at a place where they're preparing like that or thinking like that everything's just like what's happening today um what's the emergency in my life today how am i going to get through it what drama am i am i in right now um, so it comes to school time, and they are just in the public school that's close by. And um, it's tragic. The, the public school system that, it's just like the, the neighborhood school public school system, is, it's, it's awful. I mean, 
um, there's no classroom management, all kinds of violence, all kinds of... So what happens is um, teachers don't want to teach in these neighborhoods. Um, and so schools have a hard time finding teachers. If they find a teacher, it's usually someone that it's their first teaching job, right? And some of them make it. Um, most of them quit pretty soon. And so what happens is you get a, a young teacher fresh out of college, doesn't have any idea about any of this stuff. They just need a job. They get into a classroom. They get eaten alive. Um, then they quit because they want to keep their sanity. And uh, then that classroom now has no teacher. And I, I've had meetings with the middle school and stuff like that, that that's in our, in our neighborhood and stuff. They cannot find a replacement teacher. There's no subs. There's no, you know, like other people to get in. So they're just, so then what they do is they say, okay, this classroom is now combined with this classroom. And this one teacher is now, instead of 20 kids, is now 40 kids. And we're going to try to keep it going. And hopefully the kids will show up. Um, and hopefully they'll get some sort of learning in the midst of all the stuff going on. Um, and then they try again the next year. So then all those kids kind of lost a year of education, right? And then, okay, so let's push them forward to get to the next year, right? And then you have all these kids that are now behind, don't know how to act in school, don't know what they're, you know, and it just kind of, and it just goes on. To, and then, if, so then if it, so if you get a teacher that's going to be hired, it's their very first gig, they don't know what they're doing, and they're making it up as they go. And so they're the worst kind of teachers, right? I mean, like, everyone knows any job you have, like, after you do it for a while, you get better at it, right? And so what happens then, these teachers, okay, if they, if they do survive the first year or the second year, well, now they have teaching experience. And that looks good on their resume, and they can put that out to the suburban schools, and the suburban schools say, wow, you survived for two years down there? Come on up and teach our kids. And of course they're going to take that job, right? Um, and so then the cycle starts over again. And, and so then, so take that, that's just the education system. Then take that with, like, the police force, right? What police officers, oh, yeah, I want to be down in Frankfurt. You know, no, it's the first time the people that are just out of the academy don't know what they're doing, don't know how to do it. They just freshly got out of the academy. They're, like, younger than me. They're, like, <laughs> they're like you know, 20 years old. And um, give them a gun and tell them to stop the, 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 the <laughs> stop the, you know, they're the worst cops, right, because they just don't have the experience. And as soon as they get a little bit of experience, well, then they transfer to another neighborhood, right? And so you just keep, keep on having the worst teachers, the worst cops, the worst people, that the worst nurses are in our hospital and the worst doctors are in our hospital. And then as soon as they get the experience, then they move on to the next thing. And so you see that's kind of like, that's like the systemic issue. It's like in the system, right? And it's not like... And you can't blame any one of those teachers, right? I mean, like, if I wouldn't want to be teaching in that school. And if I did, I want to get out as soon as I could, right? So you can't be like, oh, you're bad. But it's just the way that the whole system is. And so, and that, and that just exacerbates everything. So it's kind of a, it's a big mess. So yeah. the, the people you and your, your church work with are people who are in that failed system. But we have to remember they're people. Right. They, you know, they're not to be blamed for the system. They are in a system that is right. failing. Um, and so you're, you're, again, working on any number of, um, you know, streets, if you will, uh, and trying to then bring the gospel into their lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to, I think, the word hope or where do you find hope there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and give them an idea that, well, something could be better potentially. Yeah. Not just your soul getting saved and mm -hmm. having eternal life, but like the life here on earth could potentially be better as well. Yeah. I would think that's a hard sell to make. Um, because, it, yeah. you know, here if we evangelize somebody, well, you might get better friends. Better potlucks. You get a better potlucks. A little, little bit of peace in your life. Uh, you aren't probably going to get promoted for a job. But, you know, there you're, you're, like, you're saying, well, you're going to have Jesus. You're going to have eternal life. But you're still going to have bad schools. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, poor policing, poor mm -hmm. hospital, health care, mm -hmm. poverty on the streets. That's a, hard, that's a tough sell. Yeah. And what, what often happens is so someone will, will be converted start to live right, um, get off whatever things are pulling them down, get away from people that are negative in their lives, and they start to make good decisions, start doing right things, 
and then they start to have a little bit of cash, and then um, one of two things happens. They either like, oh, now I have money, and I'm doing okay, so I can go back to, and I, I, can, I can handle it now, and they go back, or the other thing is, well, now I have some money, I can move out of Frankfurt, and I can go to a better place, right? And again, like, can you really blame someone for that? Like, if it's like, okay, I can move to a safer place, I can move to a place where there's better schools. And so what happens is, uh, I have a pastor friend of mine that calls that green flight. Uh, so you've heard of white flight before, all the white people left the city. He calls it green flight. You get a little bit of money, a little bit of green, and you leave <laughs> because you're able, to, you're able to. And so what that does is that kind of leaves, leaves us, like you get people build up and then they go. And uh, what that does is kind of keeps our church small and keeps our church doing similar kind of ministry with people over and over and over, with different people over and over again. So we're kind of at that level. It's kind of like, if you, if you think of an analogy of a hospital, like the emergency room is not doing, you know, physical therapy, right? The emergency room is doing the, the, the initial, stop the bleeding, you know, um, and get your heart going again. Like, we're like the emergency room, and then those people go then to, they still need help, right? And they still need discipleship, and they still need to grow, but they then go on. But then someone else is coming in the door that needs the bleeding to stop and needs the, so we're kind of at that level. And what everyone needs to understand, including us, is that's what we're called to, is that level. And so we, we can't let ourselves get too discouraged when people move on. And the people that are supporting us and helping us can't be like, well, how come your church isn't growing? Uh, <laughs> because it's like, this is where we're called to. It's like saying, to the emergency, well, how come there's not more people in the emergency room? You know, like, <laughs> it's like, no, like they're doing their job. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? And um, we want to support that and help that and and invest in them so they can keep doing that. Um, so it's important for everyone to understand that, and it's important for us to understand that too, because we can get discouraged because it's like, I, I put so much into you, and now you're going to that big old church in the suburbs? <laughs> like, um, and um, as we, get, we gotta remember, like, we're, and so the church in the suburbs needs to be like helping us as we're sure. sending people to them, and it kind of like can help that way. So, yeah. All right, final question. Dave, Cliff. You mentioned uh, Greek words. Uh, yeah. When I was getting uh, studying the Greek today, yeah. there were a number of studies. Greek comes for a variety of words. It's complicated. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard situation because what, what they're trying to do is like, you know, we talked about this fatherless generation and stuff like that. Everyone's, so like on the one, so the kind of the world solution is, well, let's just not put people in jail so much, you know? Um, so it's not so much cutting the force, it's like the philosophy of the force. So it's like, okay, well, let's not put them in jail then, and then they'll be in the neighborhoods, which is kind of like, well, not real. I mean, like, if they're doing bad things, they should be, like, <laughs> punished for that, right? But then, like, but then if you lock them up, then there's no dads, you know? So you're kind of stuck in this place of how do we... How, like from a, if all you, if, if you're trying to just solve it by police, they're in a hard place, you know? Um, it's either like lock them up and then their kids don't have dads or let them out and then they're doing all kinds of terrible things in the neighborhood, you know? So it's like, what are you going to do? Um, so it's, it's a hard situation. Um, and the, the, I think Philadelphia has kind of gone, kind of ebbed and flowed. Right now we're in a, in a, in a, climate where it's like, well, we want to let as many people out as possible. We want to have as a few, as no, they've, they've made it so that you can't, police officers can't pull someone over for like minor traffic. So if your headlight's out, they're not allowed to pull somebody over for that. Um, and that was like a way that it was kind of like, yeah, your headlight's out, but let me see your license. Oh, wait, you're on probation. You're, you're, you're a violation of, you know, you, you know, then that's how you get somebody, right? Um, so they've said, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. So now if your headlight's out or your inspection's expired or something like that, then the police aren't allowed to pull you over for that. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of solving one problem but creating another. And it, it's just like the police have a role and they have a responsibility, um, but it's not going to be the final solution. You know, like it's not going to ultimately, and, and so they need to be held accountable to do what they're supposed to be doing. And then the church needs to be held accountable to do what it's supposed to be doing as well. So, and the education needs to be held accountable to do what they're supposed to be doing. And the healthcare needs to be held accountable to doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
Um, and that's another part of the job, that I think, of the church as well, to kind of be that voice in society. It's like, hey, God calls you to be doing this, you know, government. God calls you to be doing governing. And police force, God calls you to be doing policing and education. God, you know, like God, God is calling you to do those things. And so we have a role in that as well. But it's complicated. <laughs> this uh, Let's Get Acquainted uh, weekend uh, has kind of had a focus of fellowship and uh, just fun, you know, activity, 